Kirkpatrick, the Deputy Chief Public Health Officer from SA Health. Dr Kirkpatrick, good morning to you. Good morning. We'll start, if we can, Dr Kirkpatrick, by just asking you for the latest on the situation in McLaren Vale with the removalists who were there last Friday. It sounds like they didn't really get out and about much into the community and also, to their credit, that the family who had moved over have been doing the right thing and not leaving the house. Absolutely. So we know there were three removalists who travelled over via Victoria uh, that were delivering off some furniture and goods in Victoria, then travelled into South Australia, uh, delivering off furniture for a family who were relocating from Western Sydney to the McLaren Vale region. Now, we know that two of those removalists have tested positive and it's likely that they were infectious whilst they were here in South Australia. So it is a concern for us. And so we are stepping through a thorough risk assessment process using our contact traces to work out if there is any risk at all for the South Australian community. Now, we know these removalists have done the right thing. They have worn masks at particular times. What we also do know about them as well is they did make some stops and they made some petrol stops, uh, we understand, on their way out. So we're stepping through what that means from traffic data point of view, CCTV, and working out what petrol stations they were and also if there is any risk at all for the South Australian community. And as soon as we know that, we'll be letting people know and we'll be looking at the QR contact tracing data. But certainly these individuals didn't use QR data at all here in the state, uh, so we haven't needed to contact and SMS out to anyone at this point in time. Has there been any um, discussion over the last few days about whether there needs to be a tightening of some of the the restrictions surrounding a cell or not so much the restrictions but the, the 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 circumstances under which essential workers are allowed to enter South Australia yes we have actually been discussing this quite a bit over the past week around essential workers and there has been a change now in our direction that came out over the weekend that does require all of those essential workers to have a, a workplace risk mitigation plan in place as well, which can be shown to an authorised officer or an SA health representative. But we were also looking at truck driver testing, and this has come at a very, uh, um, very appropriate time now for us to review that requirement. So we are now going to be requiring truck drivers or commercial transport and freight workers to be tested within 24 hours of arrival into South Australia, and that will come into effect at 12.01 on Thursday morning. And the reason for this is there's a national code that does require truck drivers to be tested every seven days. And we know that there's a lot of testing happening in this space across all of the states every seven days. But we just think with this current risk that we're seeing with New South Wales, how quickly this Delta variant is spreading, that we do need to move ahead and we do need to implement changes to this. So that's why we're moving to this requirement for testing within 24 hours of arrival. We're taking two days to put that in place because we need to um, establish more testing at the border, making it easy for the truckers to get tested and also because we need to consult out with the relevant uh, transport bodies and the unions to make sure they're aware of these changes because it is different to that national code and requirement. So, yes, we are making changes <laughs> and this has been a very timely reminder for us that we do need to be very proactive and not, and not sit back and think, oh, we'll just wait and see what happens. We do not want seating in our state, uh, particularly from New South Wales. Hmm. Just to go back to the removalists for a moment, you mentioned they made a, 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 what was it, a couple of stops for petrol on the way out? It Was it two? That's our understanding. There may have been a few stops. We're just checking through that. We've uh, now been able to speak with the third removalist, uh, the contact tracing team, and he's been able to provide a lot of extra information to us. So now we're stepping through 
around different uh, transport data as well, looking at CCTV footage, working with Department of uh, Transport to make sure we can work out their movement and which stations they went to. It's often quite difficult to get exact pinpoint of times, locations, so we do need to set through all this information and SAPOL is assisting us with this. So as soon as we know if it's one or two that were on the way out, if there was anything coming in, we'll communicate that out and we'll work out a clear timeline of events. But for people who are in the McLaren Vale region and they're concerned or worried, I think it's all the information we've had so far is that there has been no stops in those regions um, and that the removalists have been in that house, done the right things and then left. And the family as well who relocated from Western Sydney have done all of the right things and there's certainly no risk that we're aware of for that particular community, uh, given that that family did test negative yesterday morning as well. So is there the potential that there, there still might be some hotspots that get made public with regard to this, this particular case? Yes, that's absolutely a potential that there could be a location of concern or an exposure site. Um, and as soon as we have that information, we'll communicate that out once that's been confirmed. But we do need to look at the CCTV footage, see who actually has got out of the truck and gone and filled up, uh, and gone and filled up the tank, etc. So we'll step through that and what that means for the risk for the community. But if there is a location, we will absolutely be putting that out. And Victorian Health last night did put out their locations as well uh, for where these particular individuals had been in Victoria. So we'll so, be looking to mm. do something similar here. So, Dr. Kirkpatrick, given that they were in it pretty much in and out once they'd got the house set up in McLarenvale and then they, they headed off again on, on the Friday, is it right to assume that that would mean it would be one of the servos basically between, you know, McLarenvale and Pinaroo when they were when they were on their way out of SA? That's our understanding, yes, that they then travelled directly back to Sydney and we're just working through what that route is and what the particular stops were that were made. Uh, but they did go straight back to Sydney. They did not go and make any stops, we understand, or overnight stays in Victoria. Hmm. Hmm. It, it, it seems peculiar because there's always been the provision in the rules that you could, if you're moving... If you're moving home, you've always been able to move around freely, like if you're a returning traveller or someone's escaping domestic violence. They're always the things that are in the, in the, in the travel code if you go to the SA Health's COVID website. This, this is the first incident, uh, incident of concern we've had with regard to removalists? Uh, we have had a truck driver previously from Victoria who um, ended up testing positive here in the state last year. So that has been um, okay. an issue for us previously. But we know that people can move freely, but we have now put these tougher restrictions in place from midnight last night. And this will now require that anyone who is relocating into South Australia or as a returning SA resident will need to now apply through the SA Health Exemptions team. And the reason for that is just so we can step through what their travel plans are, who's coming over with them, where are they planning on staying, etc. We know that apartment buildings and units are concerned for us and this has been evident now in Victoria uh, where a particular removal delivery did occur um, and it wasn't a, in a complex of units, I understand. So we do need to be very mindful of the risk for the community and doing whatever we can now to reduce that risk from New South Wales. Got a question from a, a listener from the ACT wondering why it's the case that the border is closed between South Australia and the ACT, given that uh, in the Australian Capital Territory, they're effectively closed to Greater Sydney and haven't had a case of community transmission for more than 12 months. Yes, the ACT has done a fantastic job at, at really closing down a lot of their movement and have been, did put a number of people into home quarantine there uh, last week and the week prior. What we do know is that there are around 63 different access points into the ACT from New South Wales, so a number of roads coming in. Not all of those road points are, are manned and occupied. 
And the other issue we know is there has been that free movement across. So because of this additional risk that we are seeing in New South Wales, we're not yet at the point where we're feeling comfortable around the ACT. It's very disappointing for people who just live in the ACT and we know there's been no community transmission that's been known or recorded there for a number and number of months. But unfortunately, we are very concerned about this Delta variant. We need to remain uh, very vigilant around this and hence why we have taken a New South Wales ACT approach uh, because of where it is co-located and that risk we are seeing with the Delta variant. But these are these are ongoing discussions we have at SA Health uh, with SAPOL and then, it, of course, in the Transition Committee as well around the ACT. But uh, it is at this stage still like, very much a concern for us. Hmm. We've had a few texts from listeners, Dr Kirkpatrick, saying that with so many people who have returned from the eastern states or from New South Wales uh, who currently have to um, quarantine at home, uh, when they return here, do, do the do the people that pick them up from the airport, like their partners and so on, like Sue who texted in about this, do they have to quarantine as well? Yes, we have specific requirements on the SA Health website around what is involved in self-quarantine, self-isolation. So I do encourage anyone to just click on that link on the SA Health website, which does step through this. But if you are a, um, if you are getting picked up by a family member and you're going to self-quarantine, you do need to advise us you do, should sit in the back seat, you should wear a mask, and then when you get to your location, then strictly self-quarantining. So family members can pick you up, same as taxi drivers can pick you up as well and drive you to your location, but you must be wearing that mask and advised to sit in the back seat. If that person is then going to quarantine with you, perhaps they're your carer or uh, providing particular medical support to you as well, then they can undertake that period of quarantine with you and be subject to the same testing requirements as well. Mm-hmm. So there are there are options available to people so they can get the support they need during quarantine. But if someone is picking you up, please sit in that back seat uh, and wear a mask. And there's some great information online on the SA Health website. Helen's called in. Helen, you're speaking directly with the uh, Deputy Chief Public Health Officer at SA Health. Yes, good morning, Doctor. Uh, Could you tell me why my 78-year-old husband, who has COPD, cannot have the Pfizer vaccine? Because if he has the AstraZeneca, he has to wait three months for the second jab. Yes, that's a great question. Thank you. So in terms of the Pfizer vaccine, we know that that's the preferred vaccine under the age of 60. And when we look around, well, what does the AstraZeneca mean if you are aged over 60? We know it's typically given three months apart. It's a safe vaccine to be using, and it is an effective vaccine as well. Uh, for COPD, there's no reason that, um, that the AstraZeneca vaccine cannot be given, and we would strongly encourage that it is given um, and given as soon as possible. We're then saying that people can have a, a three-month gap between the two doses, or it can be brought forward to eight weeks, the two-month gap between the two doses, if there's an additional risk or someone's going out and about uh, overseas, for instance, and, and do need, and need to be fully vaccinated. But we're still saying it is appropriate to have that AstraZeneca vaccine. We know the one dose does give you very good coverage, and then you get that 12-week booster dose as well. So very confident that that vaccine is an effective vaccine, and we've seen that it does reduce that risk of having serious complications or serious illness associated with COVID-19. So very, very important for the community to get vaccinated. Dr Kirkpatrick, thank you for your time. The Deputy Chief Public Health Officer of SA Health. It's 5 